Pastor Steve here. This weekend, I'm speaking for Pastor Jason and Stephanie Robinson at Church of the King in Katy, Texas. They are doing an amazing job. I'm also excited to say I'll be back with you guys next weekend to kick off our brand new series called Imperfect, A Study in the Life of David. Now, I'll be teaching every weekend all the way into the fall. This weekend, we want to bring you one of the greatest pastors and communicators in the church world. Today, I am excited to welcome my good friend, Pastor John Siebling of Life Church in Memphis, Tennessee, a 10,000-member church making a huge difference. John's not only a pastor, but he's a leader, an author, a husband, a father, and so much more. John serves on the board of the Association of Related Churches, also known as the ARC, one of the largest church planning networks in the world that we are privileged to be part of. You can see Pastor John weekly on the Hillsong channel. I love listening to his deep, powerful preacher's voice. Now, let me take a moment to tell you about one of the best teaching series John has ever done. And it's contained in this little book, Worry-Free Finances. How many of you would agree that finances and worry often go hand in hand? Well, this weekend, Pastor John wants to help you remove worry from your financial world. And this book is a great quick read, and it's life-changing. He's going to be teaching one of the subjects contained in this book. As a matter of fact, I asked Pastor John to bring this book with him, and they're available at all of our campuses after service. If you need to see a breakthrough in any area of your finances, let me encourage you to pick this book up today. So you're going to love hearing Pastor John Siebling. It is truly a privilege to have John with us. So can you do me a favor? Let's stand up on our feet right now and give Pastor John Siebling a huge Church of the King welcome. Let's put our hands together and welcome my friend, Pastor John. Come on, can we do that? Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hey, while you're being seated, give somebody a high five right next to you. Tell them I'm glad you're here in church with me. A big welcome to all of our campuses we're all connected together one big happy family come on church of the king how about if we all put our hands together thank god for one church many locations shout out to everybody who is connected so glad to be here such an honor for me to be here that was one of the most thorough introductions i have ever received i can promise you that how many of you thankful for your pastor what a thorough guy hey He's got it lined up. I love Pastor Steve and Jennifer. So thankful for them and uh, our friendship. Thankful for this church. You guys are a part of a great church impacting this area of the United States and all over the nation, really, and all over the world. It's just been an incredible honor for me to be here this weekend. The team here, fantastic. The generosity, the hospitality. I mean, you know, it's Louisiana, right? You got to have great hospitality. And uh, I'm from Baton Rouge, actually a Baton Rouge guy, born and raised in Baton Rouge, went to LSU, go Tigers, graduated. Uh, I didn't just go to LSU, I graduated. How about that? I graduated from LSU. And uh, I want to give you a little uh, hello from my family. I've got a pic, I think, picture that we brought of our family and my wife and I uh, will celebrate next month. Actually, early August, we'll celebrate 29 years of marriage, which is uh, amazing. 
I know I don't look old enough to have been married 29 years, but hey, you know, I am. We got married when we were young. And, uh, and there's a, our four kids on the picture as well. Uh, you can see our daughter, 21, Anna, who is in college, and our son going into um, his senior year of high school, 17-year-old boy in the house. Y'all pray for me, please, uh, if you remember. And, um, and then our other two kids, Lucky and Pepper. Lucky is the brown one, the puppy. Uh, Lucky is a Labradoodle. Anybody ever heard of a Labradoodle before? Of course. Everybody knows the doodles, right? Labrador Retriever and Poodle, a very expensive mutt, but a great dog. Love, love Lucky. And then uh, and Pepper is the older the older dog, black, uh, she is a schnoodle. Can you say schnoodle 10 times as fast as you can? Schnoodle. Uh, a schnauzer poodle mix. And so we do it well at the Seedling House. We've got the doodles covered. And uh, in fact, I told the other service that my wife got lucky to be a therapy dog. I don't even know what a therapy dog is. They take them into hospitals and uh, different places. And um, and Lucky just, had, he just hadn't quite caught on yet. He, he's not, he hasn't graduated from therapy dog training yet. We can't, he keeps repeating. Um, but I told my wife, that's okay. I need a therapy dog. Let me just have Lucky all to myself uh, because he, uh, he's something else. But anyway, uh, also hello from Memphis, Tennessee. We started our church 22 years ago, a sister church to this one, very uh, similar uh, in, in, in our approach and in our worship. We've got five uh, campuses across the, the Memphis area, one international campus. And so Memphis, Tennessee, who's been to Memphis? Let me see the hands of all those who've been to Memphis. All right, right up the river, birthplace of the blues, Elvis Presley, FedEx headquartered in Memphis. So I, every time I travel, I encourage, please send your packages FedEx because it supports the kingdom. It makes a difference for the kingdom. And if you work for UPS, I'm, we're praying for you as well and believing. In fact, the guy that was with us last night, the, the, the security guy that was with us said, hey, I own a UPS store. You better watch it. And so I said, yes, sir. Ooh, sorry about that. Get your Bibles out, everybody. Let me just take a minute to encourage you with a message. Pastor Steve did a great job introducing the thought and really asked me to come with some of these thoughts from that book. And um, so I want you to look at two passages with me, Matthew 23 and then Genesis 4. And, and if you want to, turn over to Genesis 4 and hold your place there if you brought your Bible and then flip forward to Matthew 23 and we'll read these passages uh, together. One is from Jesus, Matthew 23. Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders and he says, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. And then Genesis chapter 4, this is the story of Cain and Abel. I'm sure you've heard this story before and read it. Maybe like me, you've been a little confused by it. Let's read it together. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. Abel's, Abel is a, a shepherd and Cain is a farmer. And in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Everybody say firstborn. That's the key word. 
The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. If you're taking notes, the title of my message this weekend is Out of Order. Out of Order. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. May it lift us, inspire us, encourage us, challenge us, and inform us. We thank you, Father God, for your word that goes forth and accomplishes the purpose that you sent it. Let it accomplish great things in our lives today. We pray and we ask it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Um, Last year, my wife and our kids went on a um, mission trip, an international trip to Nairobi, Kenya. Once a year, we we try to uh, bring uh, uh, our kids and go on a trip together as a family to um, some mission field somewhere. And so we did this last year. We went to Kenya, which is, um, which is a special place for us because Leslie and I lived um, in Kenya for three years. As newlyweds, we had just gotten married and we felt called to the mission field. And so for three years, we were missionaries in Kenya. So this was the first time that we were all going to be together in Kenya as a family. We couldn't take... Uh, wait to take our kids to see where we lived and the different things that, that, that we experienced while we were there. And so we're flying into Nairobi and the plane is kind of on descent into the Nairobi airport. And this thought hits me, um, did I get a visa? You know, when you travel overseas and you go into different countries, some of those countries require that you have a, a visa to get into the country. And I just had this thought, I don't think we got visas. And I was hoping and praying somehow that someone had gotten it taken care of for me or checked into it and you no longer needed a visa. And I was just praying, oh gosh. And so we come off the plane around the corner into the immigration hall and sure enough, there's a line and it says visas. And I thought, oh my gosh. So we get in line and we get up and give our passports to this guy and he said, you don't have any visas. And and I said, I I know, I, I totally forgot. What do we do? He said, well, you can buy a visa, but you have to have a $50 bill, one for each of you. So you need four $50 bills. Who travels with $50 bills, you know? So I'm like, I don't have, I don't have that. I have 20s. Uh, um, And he said, no, you have to have a $50 bill, one per, per, per passport. I said, what do I do? He said, well, you go to that ATM right there. You can get some Kenya shillings and you can get the $50 and and, and I was like, okay, thank God. There's an ATM in the uh, Nairobi Immigration Hall. Can you believe it? So I go to the ATM, walk around the corner. Uh, it's right around the corner. I get up to the screen and guess what it says? Out of order. So man, I mean like, you know, my heart drops and I'm like, what am I gonna do? And this guy walks by, he's got this orange vest on, this airport worker vest. And I said, my friend, I need your help. I've got to get some cash. I need some Kenya shillings. I've got to get a visa. And, and this ATM is out of order. He said, come. That's what they do in Kenya, come. So I follow this guy, you know, wave at my wife. I'll be right back. Follow this guy around the corner in this back hallway, down these stairs. And, and before I know it, we walk outside of the airport. 
So like, I don't have my passport. I'm outside of the airport. It's a big no-no. There's thousands of people. It's crazy. It's like midnight. You know, we've been traveling for 24 hours and we walk all the way outside around the corner. There's an ATM points to it. I walk over. Guess what the screen says? Oh my gosh, out of order. So I went to him. I said, this one's out of order too. He said, there's one more. <laughs> so, so we went all the way around to the other side of the airport. Thank God that was working. I got all these Kenya shillings out. And, and I said, now I need to get $50 bills. He said, one more bank to try. And so we went around and found this other bank. And thank God I got those four $50 bills. We got our visa. The moral of the story is if you go to Kenya, you need a visa. And four $50 bills or, or one $50 bill per, 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 per traveler. I think it's interesting that, that we use that phrase out of order. You know, when you go to a machine that isn't working, it says out of order, you know, and you, you're thirsty, you go to a Coke machine, it says it's out of order. There's a piece of paper on it or even a bathroom, you're trying to use the bathroom and, and you know, it's closed and it says out of order. It's kind of an interesting choice of words. I, why don't we just say broken, you know, uh, not working, but instead it's out of order because some, something in that machine is not firing correctly. You know, what, what should be first isn't happening first and what should be second is happening fourth and it's, it's, it's all out of order and, and until the, the, the mechanism inside that machine is lined up and in order, that machine will be broken. And it's a lot like you and me. We were created in the image of God and we were created to function best according to God's design, according to God's order of things. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, that God is a God of order. And the reality is when we line things up and get things in order, that's when we find the favor of God and the blessing of God flowing in our life. And I think so often when we look at our life and we're maybe discouraged about something, maybe in our family or you know, maybe on the job or, or maybe with our finances, I think it's, 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 it's human nature to think we've got to make these big drastic sweeping changes. But the truth is, the reality is, oftentimes all we need to do is make these little adjustments and get things in the proper order. And as soon as we get things synced up and lined up in the right order, it's amazing how we begin to feel the breath and the inspiration of God. It's like Cain and Abel. This story confused me for years until I read that one word and realized that Cain was just bringing offerings, but Abel was actually bringing the best part, the first part. And that's the reason there was favor and blessing on Abel's offering and not on Cain's offering. In God's word, we study it and we realize that there are these these choices, these decisions about, about order. There's several of them all throughout God's word. And the truth is, the truth is if, if we make the right choice and get things in the right order, we'll begin to see the momentum that God has for our lives. And I want to talk about one choice this weekend. And, and I phrased it in my notes this way as sort of a confession. I'm going to choose to honor God by tithing my income. I think it's one of the most important choices you can make as a Christian, to honor God by tithing our income. Yes, this is a financial message, but before you tune me out, hear me out. Before you tune me out, 
Hear me out, because this might be one of the most important messages you'll hear this summer as you think about this year, you're halfway through this year and you've got another half of this year to go. It could be one of the most important messages because you could be like most Americans, stressed out, worried, anxious about your finances. It is the leading cause of worry in the United States. As Pastor Steve mentioned, I've written this book called Worry-Free Finances. It's about five years old now. It's doing well. It's, it's getting reprinted and, and, and over and over again. And, and I, I think, unfortunately, it's doing well because a lot of people are really stressed about money. And the book started with a, a study that I did on worry. I was going to do a series in our church all about worry. And as I began to study about worry, I realized, whoa, the number one, the number one cause of worry to the average American is money. In fact, it's, it's, it's not even close. The top three things Americans worry about in order, number one, their personal finances, number two, their job, and number three, the economy. Hello. All three have to do with money. And the statistics are alarming, overwhelming. 80% of Americans are worried about money all the time. In fact, doctors say there are physical and physiological um, repercussions for the levels of stress that Americans are under because of money. 80% worry about money all the time. 77% of Americans live from paycheck to paycheck, literally one financial setback away from either homelessness or a big, a big challenge big setback financially. The number one cause of divorce in the United States, guess what it is? It's financial worry. It's financial anxiety. Hello, this is a relevant subject. We've got to talk about this. And as I studied God's word, I realized God's word does talk about it. Over 800 verses in the Bible deal with money and money management. There's more in the Bible about heaven, uh, about money than about heaven and hell combined. Think about that. More about money than about prayer. 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus teaches deal with money. It's all over God's word. Now watch this. Watch this. When you study God's word, the picture that God's word gives about our financial situation and what it could be looks totally different than what the average American is facing. In other words, when you look at what God's word promises, it promises peace it promises encouragement, it promises uh, prosperity, it promises blessing, it promises all those things. And yet what we see in the church with even the average American Christian is stress and worry and discouragement and fear. And so I took all those 800 verses and I went on this massive look study and you know, organized them all and they, they really all fall into three different principles, three big principles, and that's what the book is all about. And the first principle is this principle I'm talking to you about this weekend. It's the principle of tithing and the promises, listen to me, church, in God's word about money and, and, and the, the promise of God's blessing on our finances, those promises hinge on our ability to choose the path that we take. So, it's not just like they're just going to fall on your life. They're going to fall on your life, those blessings, when you, make the right, when you make the right choices. And I always love to teach on this because I have found that a lot of people don't understand this concept. They've been told they need to tithe and, and, and maybe they feel some sense of guilt or obligation, but they don't really understand it from a sense of faith. And so I love to teach on it. 
and try my best to clear it up and make it as clear as possible. The word tithe, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. The word tithe is literally giving the first 10% of your income to God through your local church. It's the giving of the first 10% of your income to God through your local church. And it's mentioned all over the Bible. By the way, the first mention of tithe is all the way back in Genesis chapter 14 where Abraham tithed to God. Now this is 400 years before the law of Moses. It's mentioned in Genesis 14, it's mentioned in Genesis 37, and it's literally threaded all throughout the Bible through through the major prophets and the minor prophets threaded all the way into the New Testament where in Matthew 23, Jesus himself endorsed tithing. What am I trying to say? Tithing spans every area era of God's relationship with man. It's not an Old Testament principle. It's not a New Testament principle. It's a Bible principle. And I want to take you to um, maybe the most extensive passage on tithing in the Bible, the book of Malachi chapter three. I'm going to just read through these verses because there's some very simple thoughts and things about tithing that we can learn here in Malachi. Listen, God's speaking through the prophet Malachi. He says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Come on, how many of you thankful for that? (laughs) Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? in tithes and offerings. Watch this. You are under a curse, your whole nation. That word literally means you're limited, you're, you're, you're restricted because, because you're, you're robbing me. Here's the solution. Thank God for the solution. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. So right within this passage, there's some powerful thoughts. I want to give you four of them. Very simple as I finish up my time this weekend. I want you to think about these four things from this passage. Number one, tithing is really just giving back to God what already belongs to him. This is important for us to understand. And you may not know this, but when you became a Christian, your whole life was redeemed by God. And that means your whole life is now Christian. It's the old joke about the man who was getting water baptized and he took his wallet out and held it up above the water. So everything went down but his wallet. How many of you know that doesn't really work? All of you is redeemed. And so what that means is, listen, you may have never heard this before. What that means is as a Christian, as a Christian man, as a Christian woman, the first 10% of your income belongs to God. In fact, the Bible says it's holy and it belongs to him. It literally has God's name on it. It's like when you're at work and you're hungry and you, you didn't have time to run out to lunch. So you run into the staff kitchen and you open the fridge and man, there's food in the fridge. Thank God. You look at, man, there's some good jambalaya down in that Tupperware, but it's got a piece of masking tape on the top. It says, Kathy's lunch, do not touch, you know, exclamation points. And, um, so you better not take Kathy's lunch. It's the same with your tithe. It has God's name on it has God's name written on it. 
So you don't want to take what belongs to God. That's why God said uh, through the prophet Malachi to the people, you're taking, you're robbing me. It belongs to me. How many of you know there's no way to think that we can believe for God's best in our life if we're not doing what God asks us to do for taking from him. So your tithe, as you come into the house of God, as you get on the app and give and get online and give, you're literally returning to God what already belongs to him. That's why God uses the word return three times in this passage. Here's number two. Your tithe enables your church to thrive. What we see in Malachi is this, is this win-win promise. It's powerful. The first win is when we all bring our tithe into God's house, it enables our church to do what it's called to do. I'm thankful to be here this weekend and to be in relationship with a church, Church of the King, that has a vision that's moving forward, that's expanding, that's doing amazing things. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the new campus in Baton Rouge. Christian Life Fellowship was the church where I got saved, got my life on track. Now that church is a part of the, 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 the Church of the King campus network. How many of you are thankful for that? And, and Biloxi and... and South Shore and, and what God's going to do, St. Charles, all of the things that God's doing, you need to be thankful that you're a part of a church that has vision, that's moving forward, that's reaching for something. See, your tithe coming together enables your church to meet the needs of this community. It's powerful. It's important. It makes a difference. And then number three is the other side of the equation your tithe enables there to be food in God's house, but, but God says that your, your tithe has the favor of God on it for your life. So it brings food in the house of God, but it's also, listen to me everybody, it's also the key that unlocks the floodgates of heaven over your life, the windows of heaven over your life. Have you ever heard of that expression, there's an open heaven? It means there's, there's an open heaven over your life and there's favor that's flowing down on you, on your family. And the challenge is we, we get back out to our car after service and we look up, we're not gonna see any windows in heaven. We're not gonna see any floodgates. And so we may mistakenly think there really isn't such a thing as a floodgate or a window in heaven. But listen to me, everybody. We walk by faith and not by sight. We believe what God's word says. And there is, there is a window. There are floodgates over your life and over your family. And your tithe is the key that unlocks those, those windows. And the Bible says that God throws open those windows in heaven and pours out so much blessing, you don't even have room enough to receive it. Your tithe is that key that brings the favor of God into your life. And I know if you're like me and like everybody else, we want God's favor. Come on, how many of you want God's favor on your family and God's favor on your business and on your career and God's favor on your health? And if you keep reading that passage in Malachi, the tithe is so powerful, it actually resists or rebukes the devourer. And in other words, there are things, there are things that God keeps from you because you're tithing. There are things that don't happen to you because you're tithing, because you're under an open heaven. It's powerful. And, and there's a great book on, on, on finances. I, I highly recommend it. It's called Master Your Money by a man named Ron Blue. 
And in, in this book, he talks about the five things that we do with our money. There's really only five things. And it's in this order, how we handle our money. The first thing we do is we spend it, number one. Number two, we pay our bills and pay debt. Number three, we pay taxes. Four, we save and we invest. And five, we give. And this is the, this is the order of priority for the average American Christian, non-Christian. So Christian, Christian people coming to church and, 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 and believe in God and serve in God, you know, here's what it looks like. We get paid and we, we, first thing we do is we spend it. We get, we want some clothes and, and, and we, we put tires on the car and we spend it. Then, then we, we pay the bills and, and pay down some debt and taxes is third. Maybe you, you get it, get taxes taken out of your check. Maybe you, you, you put it aside for a quarterly tax payment. Then, then you maybe transfer some money into savings. And then number five, you give. Now this is, this is a, um, this is a very me first list and, and not very God honoring. Let's be honest. And we may be serving God and coming into church and thankful for all God's done for us. And, you know, we come into worship. Thank you, Jesus. Another week. Thank you for what you've done. And, 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 and then when offering time comes, we really just give God our leftovers. We give God what's left over. And that's not really a great way to honor God. And we expect God to bless us and we expect God to give us some financial momentum, but really all we do is just give him what's left over. My wife is, her maiden name is De Benedetto. That's a great name. Her dad um, is the youngest of 12. Their family immigrated from Sicily. And um, her mom from Thibodeau, Louisiana. Come on. Mom's maiden name was Clément, not Clement, Clément. So like she, she, Leslie is like an explosion of two amazing worlds, Cajun and Italian, you know, like, and she's an incredible cook and a great hostess. And we have a beautiful home. We have people over. Never once have we had people over for dinner and she pointed to the fridge and said, Hey, I think there's some stuff in there. Just pull out whatever you, some leftovers, whatever you want. Just pull. She's never done that. We would never think to do that. We never think to do that. If we're going to have a guest over, we're going to have a friend over, somebody, you know, she's going to make something and, 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 um, and, and, you know, leftovers, leftovers. So often what we do is we give God what's left. I want you to stop and think about that. Are you giving God what's left rather than prioritizing your relationship with him? And, and, and I know there's, there's all this stigma with church and money and there's been extremes and all that kind of stuff. And it, but listen to me, everybody. It's not all about giving, giving, giving. Got to give more, got to give more. It's not all about that. It's about taking this list, this list of, of, of you know, kind of the priorities of the average American and flipping it upside down so that when you get paid, the first thing you do is give. The first check you write, the first thing you do is get online and Look, you know, if you're like me, I can be a little bit of a legalist when it comes to this. I want the tithe out of my bank account. As soon as, as soon as I get paid, the first thing I do is I get online and transfer the tithe right out. You give first, then you save and invest. Then you will keep taxes in the middle. You pay your bills and debt. And then number five, you spend. And I know some of you are looking at, looking at this list and saying, okay, well, I mean, this is, this is me first, but this is me last. But listen to me, everybody. I want to make this promise to you, and I know it sounds a little dramatic, but I promise you this one thing. If you will honor God first, there will be much more for you at the end than there is in this scenario. I promise you that. 
Honor God first. Put him first and watch what happens in your life. In fact, we, we do this thing at our church, and I'm not saying that Church of the King is doing it or has to do it, but we do this like 90-day money-back guarantee. And I know it sounds a little gimmicky, and, and I, it's, I don't know how else to say it, but God says, test me, try me. So we tell people, start tithing and take 90 days and, and tithe, okay, the whole tithe, the all 10%, honor God first. And if after 90 days, God hasn't moved in your life in a dramatic way, come back and we will refund you all that you've given in 90 days. And people don't come back. They don't come ask for it back. Why? Because God begins to move in their life. And I'm telling you right now, listen, July 1st, July, August, September, take the next 90 days and put God to the test and give your tithe and honor him first and watch what God will begin to do in your life. It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. Let me finish up right here. Number four, tithing is not a money issue. It's a trust issue. Whoa, 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 wait, wait, Pastor John, come on. It is a money issue. Okay, it does connect to your money. But really, the bottom line, it's trust. And I, I want to ask you this one question. If you don't think about anything else that I've said, please think about this and answer this question honestly this afternoon, this week. Think about this. Who are you trusting for your financial income? Are you trusting yourself? I mean, is it your education and your good ideas and your hard work? Are you trusting your own health? Are you trusting your spouse? Are you trusting your employer that that business is always gonna be there and it's always gonna be thriving and prospering? Are you trusting the government, the economy? Where's your trust? You gotta think about this and you gotta answer that question and there's only one good answer. <laughs> Our trust needs to be in the only person that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his name is Jesus and his kingdom is everlasting. That's where you gotta trust. That's where you gotta trust. Every time I teach on on tithing, I always kind of state the obvious that there are three groups of people. And even today, right here at every one of our locations, three different groups of people hearing this message. First group, you're tithing, you've been tithing, and you're seeing God move in your finances. Doesn't, doesn't mean that you're not facing challenges, doesn't mean that you're not believing for some things in your life, keep believing, but you're tithing, you're honoring God, and God's blessing your life. Second group, you're hearing this for the very first time, and you're like, whoa, tithing. What is this? How am I going to do this? And you're kind of doing the math and you're thinking about what this would mean for you. But the Bible says that every time God's word is preached, faith rises in our heart. So there is faith in your heart. And let me encourage you, take that faith and take a step and begin to honor God now with your finances. The third group, probably the most uncomfortable group because you are a Christian, you know tithing is biblical and it's true and it's something you should do, but you're not doing it for whatever reason. You've fallen off your commitment to honor God with the first part. Something happened in your life, some, something came up, a challenge, whatever, you're facing all real stuff. Let me just encourage you though, step right back onto the path 
and begin to honor God again with your finances. And do it today. Today is the day of salvation. Don't wait and say, well, when the kids get back to school or, 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 or the first of the year, January 1st, I'm going to make a New Year's resolution. Okay, don't wait. Do it today. And watch how God begins to move in your finances. I want to close with a story I, I put in the book uh, from a great family in our church who... Um, Wrote, wrote me one time and sent this testimony in the, in, in the letter and I asked for their permission and included it in the book and it has encouraged a lot of people. I would suggest that you seriously consider contacting a bankruptcy attorney. Never did we dream that we would hear these words from our accountant when we asked him to look over our financial records. Although these words were very hard to hear, we took full responsibility for the financial shape we found ourselves in. We were drowning in debt. The poor choices we had spent years making had finally caught up with us. We had lived a me-first life, giving little or no thought to how our choices and decisions were hindering our walk with God. Fast forward a couple of years, still buried beneath the burden of debt, desperately trying to dig our way out, yet seeing no light at the end of the tunnel, we made a decision that would dramatically change our lives. One Sunday morning, we walked into Life Church. From that divine moment on, our lives haven't been the same. We'll never forget the Sunday we heard the message on tithing. We'd never heard such solid teaching, biblical teaching on this matter. We left that day determined to make tithing a priority in our family. We began to write the first check of the month to the Life Church. We realized we could no longer give God our leftovers. We decided to place ourselves on a strict budget for the first time in our lives. We desired to honor God with our finances. We felt a strong call to stewardship. We began attacking our debt in a way we had never before. And literally, from the day we wrote our first check to Life Church, God began to bless our dental practice began to flourish. As other dental offices were suffering because of the hit the economy took, we, we, we were seeing more patients than ever before. That year, our practice prospered above and beyond what we could have ever hoped. As we faithfully committed our tithe to God, he faithfully provided for us. And in one year, that first year, we paid off $85,000 in debt. Today, we're completely debt-free. We paid off our mortgage. We continue to live on a strict budget, and we faithfully offer our tithes and offerings to God. We are a living testimony of the principle of tithing. We've seen God's hand and experienced his blessings, not only financially, but much more importantly, spiritually. We are in awe of his greatness and amazed at his faithfulness. Isn't that a great story? Hey, let me just say this. God is no respecter of persons. If he did it for the Carsons, he can do it for you. Maybe you're sitting here overwhelmed, financially discouraged, thinking you'd be further along than you are now. God can do it. Honor him first. Put him first. All you got to do is reorder. Put things in order and watch God bless. Can I pray for you today? Would you bow your heads every location? Father God, we thank you for your word. It's so powerful. It renews our minds. It lifts our soul. It gives us the prescriptions we need for health and strength. I pray for every person here today, Lord, that we'd all be lifted and encouraged. I pray especially for those that are struggling financially and believing you for things in their life financially. I pray, Father God, in Jesus' name, let you give them faith to take another step. I pray for those that maybe uh, are, in, are in here in one of the locations and haven't been tithing. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, for faith in our hearts to take that step 
and to begin to honor you again. And I pray, Father God, over this great church. I thank you, Father God, for Steve and Jennifer, their family. Father God, for Church of the King, for every location, for the dreams that are here and for the future, future locations, all that you're doing. Father God, thank you for blessing this great church and using this church to bless others and make a difference. And I thank you for it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. All right, why don't we go ahead and stand together. Wasn't that a great message? Y'all give it up one more time for Pastor John. What a great, great message. I'm going to ask our prayer team to go ahead and get in place right now. If you need prayer for anything at all, our team will be here to pray for you. Let me just encourage you. What a great message. Let's respond to God in obedience and trust him to be our source. He is so good. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your blessing on my brothers and sisters. I pray, God, that your favor would surround them as with a shield. God, thank you for your, thank you for your word, God, that you love us enough, God, Lord, to allow your truth to come in our hearts and set us free. In Jesus' name, amen.